And I think a lot of people try to find, you know, the perfect placement for this kid thing. And oftentimes it's a fool's choice. I call it a fool's choice because it's either or. You're either working on your career or you're going to become a mom and a parent. And I think what I want to try to express is while that is one avenue and you can make that choice, it's not the required choice. Mm. And I guess the thing I like to express is that it's entirely doable to do both. And one does not come mutually exclusively to the other. Um, And if anything, being a mom has made me a better CEO and being a CEO has made me a better mom. The sun is coming up, are you ready to go? We can take a ride, we can take it slow, yeah. It's your boy Paul Fishman, self-love coach and you-do-you activist, excited to welcome you on the road to self-love. Each week I'm going to be joined by a very special guest in my car as we travel, literally and figuratively, on the road to self-love. We're going to have very candid conversation about life, self-love, business, and so much more, all with the goal of giving you the tools that you need to learn how to love yourself unconditionally. I hope you're ready, so let's get buckled up, because here we go. Oh, hey, self-lovers. Welcome back to The Road to Self-Love. It's your boy, Paul Fishman, self-love coach, you-do-you activist. If this is your first time, welcome to the self-love family. If this is your 19th time, ooh, welcome to episode 19. Wow, I'm so thrilled to, to be introducing almost the 20th episode. This is, this is so cool that we've gotten this far together already and it's just getting started. So today, I am recording this intro from Portland, Oregon in the most beautiful Airbnb. And I am putting the finishing touches on my brand new redesigned, reimagined self-love on-demand virtual community. Now, what this looks like is you are going to be able to join me inside self-love on-demand and not only be taken through a dynamic course that teaches you how to define your worth, how to figure out who you are as an individual, and also ultimately love yourself unconditionally regardless of external factors. But it's also going to create a beautiful community of people just like you around you. So it's like this bonus opportunity to join so many people on the same journey as you. There's going to be monthly self-love challenges that we're all doing together, like taking yourself out on a date or giving yourself permission to just relax on a day instead of working, 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 you know, because there's like some fun competitive edge. You're going to get a brand new monthly mantra every I already said it, every month. Also journaling prompts and then live Q&A sessions with me, opportunities to be coached one-on-one and so much more, all within this community. I'm so excited for it to launch. It's launching very, very soon. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to selfloveondemand.com and put your name on the wait list. Why? Because this is going to get you excited to join this community, and it's also going to let me know that you are ready. So head to selflovondemand.com and sign up for the wait list because this is going to change your life. It's already changing lives of people who are in it now, and it's just getting better, and that's so exciting for me. So you're going to be hearing a lot more of this as we get closer to the launch date. And don't worry, if you have questions, I will answer them. But for now, let's get ready because we are welcoming Dinah Trout, co-founder and CEO of Health Aid Kombucha. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but really some of my favorite kombucha, you can find it at most grocery stores, Whole Foods. They even stock it at 7-Eleven. I mean, can't look a single place without finding this kombucha. And that's one of their goals is to be in every home in America, which I mean, I think they can do it because their product is so good. Now, Dinah is a mom, a wife, and a CEO. So you probably can expect that 
she has to pick and choose with her day. Like she can't have it all. Or at least that's what you would think. I love this conversation I had with Diana because she explains how she has created a life for herself that she can do all of the things that she wants. And she has another child on the way. She's going to be a mom of two, a mom of this amazingly massive kombucha company. And she has an entire family as well. So you can have your kombucha and drink it too. So get ready to welcome Diana on the show. Let's get buckled up. Get ready. Because here we go. Oh, and one last thing. If you haven't subscribed yet, do me a solid. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. These are the things that drive more traffic, get more people to listen. And that's my mission to empower and inspire humanity to love unconditionally. And the more people who listen, the more people receive the tools and the more powerful this movement will become. So thank you for being here and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the road to self-love. It's your boy, Paul Fishman, self-love coach and you do you activist here with my like very old friend, but not like old as in the word age. I'm very young. Very young, old friend. (laughs) Right here. Um, Perfect. I've already missed it. Self-love is to the right. (laughs) Self-love is to the right. Um, Dinah, she is the co-founder and CEO of Health Aid Kombucha. Uh, and I'm just really excited to have a conversation with her, but I, I it, um, yeah, I'm going to do my best yeah. to, to be L- LA and get over. Um, we're, we're doing our best and we're, okay, we can go to another store. Wait, I could do it. I could do it. Oh okay. man, I can't. It's okay. We'll, we'll come back around. <laughs> we'll come back around. We'll make it. It's kind of like self care. We were trying to do some product placement. <laughs> so, um, Dinah, before we hop into like how we know each other, I'd love for you just like introduce yourself. Okay. I am Dinah Trout. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Health Aid, as Paul mentioned. Um, I learned how to make kombucha about, gosh, I think it was like 2005. So that's like 14 years ago, something wow. like that. Um, in graduate school in Boston, where yeah. I met Paul. Yeah, yeah. Because my roommate was your friend from school, yeah. or from uh-huh. history, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's how we actually met a long time ago. Uh, and I was really into food and cooking at the mm-hmm. time, as you know. And Someone's I, in the kitchen with Dinah. Yep. That was the title of my self-published cookbook <laughs> that like only my family bought. I bought it. Uh, okay. You bought Wait, it. I think you actually gave it to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> right. I probably gave it away as like Christmas presents. But um, into food, got into kombucha, learned how to make it. Had no idea it was going to be my identity mm. um, 15 years later, but, uh, you know, ended up meeting my husband, Justin, my best friend, Vanessa, and the three of us just were at that time in 2012 in LA, really unfulfilled, ready to start a business. We wanted to build our own thing Mm -hmm. and be our own bosses. And that was it. So it kind of happened serendipitously, but let's just say we ended up having an opportunity to, to be at a LA farmer's market that had an 18 month wait list. And we had two weeks to basically sign in on it. And so we were like, let's do this. I know how to make kombucha. We're going to go. So we sold uh, like, you know, we, we showed up thinking this was just going to be a summer project and that the money we made would help, you know, sort of fund the real business we were Mm going (laughs) to, the real business idea we were going to have. And we didn't think this was a real business only because already kombucha was out in the world. Like you could buy kombucha in the gas stations. So we didn't think we had like the qualifications or expertise required for beverage. Right. And, um, but we went ahead and did it anyway. The summer told us a very different story. The summer showed that we had, uh, there was a demand for our kombucha. We loved it. I mean, it just like, we couldn't make enough of it. And we learned a lot about ourselves, the three of us that we were like really into entrepreneurism and like just had an unlimited amount of energy to put toward this. So we quit our jobs at the end of the year and, um, you know, really embarked, I would say in 2003, uh, uh, sorry, 2013 on getting this in every fridge in America. And we're about, uh, I always say like, we're like one marathon in of the seven marathon race. Yeah. Um, so that's me from the work side on the personal side. I, um, I am a wife. I am a sister. I am a daughter. I am a mother of uh, a three-year-old boy 
and he's so cute. And he's so cute. He's the love of my life. It's the favorite role I wear or the favorite hat I wear. And I have a, another boy on the way. <gasps> so I'm six and a half months pregnant with, with number two, which is a whole thing. Um, because, you know, you're also trying to run a business, which is kind yeah. of like its own baby. So that's definitely been a challenge. But yeah, that's pretty much me. I mean, I well, like margaritas. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Same. Margaritas are great. Tequila is phenomenal. You know, I'm a mountain girl instead of a beach girl. <sighs> And here you are like- I know, at the beach. In the, at the beach. <laughs> so uh, I just want to parallel my story of health aid. Okay. Um, without, like, I had no idea that you were behind health aid. Okay. And when you, when it first came out, I actually saw it. I wish I remember the influencer, but I saw some influencer talking about it. And and there, and she was like, you can have it shipped to your door. And I was like, anywhere? And I was living, <laughs> I live in San Diego and this was an LA thing, of course. So I go onto a website and then of course, I'm, I'm saddened by the fact that it's only an LA thing. Okay. And, yeah. but then I find that you're in major market in San Diego and, but, uh, because I'd emailed and now that I think back to it, Justin had responded to the email that I had sent out, but we didn't know that it was like, there was that connection. Right. So then I was just like, became obsessed with health aid, even though like there was like one variation and it was probably like $10 a bottle, you yeah. know, all about that life. And then when I founded it was you, you were like my claim to fame. Like whenever <laughs> I bought health aid, I was like, I know the co-founder and CEO. And they'd be like, oh, great. We've had many bottles of wine together. <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember one night where we had like really elaborate paella. Oh my god. And I think like four of us downed about I'm not even kidding, probably seven bottles of wine. Was this at your home or was it at the <laughs> It was at our apartment. Tosca, okay. No, no, no. It was at our apartment. Mm -hmm. It was like one of these um it was one of these elaborate dinners that <laughs> you threw. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And we always played the games and it was so much fun. Oh yeah, we did play the oh, games. Yeah. I wish that we could play the game that we played while driving, like the one with the dames? The, with I the, love that game. Yeah, or like with the, we were driving, we, I'm sorry, we were like, we would do, we would color things and then it'd be like passing it over and we'd have to figure out what the word was. Oh, yeah. That was really fun. I liked the one where you put the name, the celebrity names into a bowl. There was mm -hmm. a funny name you guys had for it. But basically the first time you can like say whatever you want and act it out. The second time you can only say one word. And the person has to guess who the person is. Oh, yes. So, like, um, yeah. And then the third time, you can only do one action. Yeah. Or something like that. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, anyway. let's get out of the car. We'll set up the camera. We'll do it there. Okay. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what I'm really excited about talking about is something you mentioned, like, the whole concept of, like, having to be a certain way as a mother, as a business owner, as a CEO, a founder and all this stuff. And I'd love for your whole thoughts around like motherhood and working. Mm. It's cool. I mean, I, I think that's a good question. It's a big question. Um, so it's, and it's, it's different now in my role today versus what my role was, uh, four years ago or five years ago now when I was pregnant with Hendrix. Mm. Um, I think then five years ago, I was more of a founder versus now I think I'm more of a CEO and it's just that the business is professionalized a lot. Um, and so my role is a little more traditional now in terms of what a CEO does. Whereas five years ago, it was very traditional for what a founder is, which is basically just pick up the broom, pick up the phone, deliver the product, do whatever you got to do to make it happen. Right. So at that time, um, it was, it was hard, but, um, you know, I think of what I'll say first is that today we have, everything is at our fingertips. Like we have so many options and so women can really, um, and men, but we can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. You want to be, you know, you want something in your career, you can go get it. Mm -hmm. um, and the only problem that arises, I find, around motherhood age time is you kind of separate the two and you think it's not, you can't do both. Like, I'm working, I hear a lot, I'm working on my career right now, I'll have kids later. Yeah. Um, and there's, it's, I think it's especially true for women because they're the ones that actually get pregnant, have the actual you know, trauma of birth, breastfeed, all that stuff like that, I think feels like a very big thing to accomplish, especially mm -hmm. for the first time. And while you're working, you sort of put it aside. 
And I think a lot of people try to find, you know, the perfect placement for this kid thing. And oftentimes it's a fool's choice. I call it a fool's choice because it's either or. You're either working on your career or you're going to become a mom and a parent. And I think what I want to try to express is while that is one avenue and you can make that choice, it's not the required choice. Mm. And I guess the thing I like to express is that it's entirely doable to do both. And one does not come mutually exclusively to the other. Um, And if anything, being a mom has made me a better CEO and being a CEO has made me a better mom. Mm. So I think that's just in general what I'll say about motherhood and working. Um, It doesn't have to be one way or the other. Um, that said, you can't do it all. So part of accepting that task of being a mom is you have to build, you just have to build boundaries and you have to delegate. So you have to be comfortable with the fact that if you're going to be a mom and, and an executive, which is, you know, just requires more responsibility and brain power, I would say than um, than a job that isn't as demanding. Uh-huh. If you want those two things, then you have to accept that this isn't the time in your life you're also going to cook a gourmet meal and have it on the table by 7 p.m. This isn't also the time of your life that you're going to probably be the fittest you've ever been. Um, you know, so there's 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 trade-offs and you can only, you know, do some, you, know, you, you don't just suddenly become superwoman. I never want to come off a superwoman. Yeah. Like I have a great nanny. I would literally not be able to do this without her. <laughs> she does my laundry. She cooks dinner for us every night of the week. That's how I'm able to do this. Yeah. Thank you for being so like <laughs> open about that. I think that, like you said, there's just a lot of like stigma around like what it takes to be a quote unquote good mom. Right. Yeah. And, and it's really important to know that like someone like you, who I, I personally love just your vulnerability on social media about what you're struggling with. I love how you're, you're changing what it's, it has to be and Mm -hmm. giving, I think by giving yourself permission, you're also giving other women and men and people in the space permission to, to do it on their own terms. And, and that to me is really what self love is, you know, it's, it's devotion to your individuality. And, and that's why it's really important for me to have these types of conversations. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. No, I mean, thank you. (laughs) So, so my, my question about just like, really digging a little bit deeper, you know, what would you say to the woman who is making that like later excuse or like truly is having trouble choosing between one? Like what was that breaking point for you where you were like, Oh, I, I can have both. Well, I had to learn it the hard way. Um, unfortunately. And I think that's part of the reason I like to be vocal about it is that I don't I don't know if this hadn't, so basically I got into a really bad car accident. So before that car accident, I was definitely one of the people that was like, baby later, maybe never. Mm -hmm. I'm really focused on this. I've got my baby in health aid. Like it's enough. Mm. It's enough. Um, and so I was sort of accepting and Justin was with me on that, that like, we might just be one of those people that don't have kids and that's okay. And that is okay. Um, but then I, uh, got into a really bad car accident. So Justin and I were driving a 28 foot refrigerated truck up to San Francisco filled with kombucha. Cause you, you're supposed to hire a truck driver for that, but, um, we were cheap and also, um, Wanted just so <laughs> hungry. We were so hungry to win. And like, we didn't have a ton of money in that beginning stage. So like we were going to drive the truck, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, so we didn't know how to drive the truck. We didn't have the proper license for it. Justin flipped it. We almost died. It was the thing. And after all I could think about was having a baby. It was like every day I would wake up and be like, life is short. What am I waiting for? This is not a dress rehearsal. Like there's never going to be a time where you're like, now you have space for a child. Right. And I think what I recognized in that sort of trauma or whatever is that I really did want a child. I was just putting it off. So basically it changed. Suddenly this input started coming to me a lot yeah. and within a month we were pregnant. Wow. So then it changed everything, right? Like, of course it was hard to figure out and I had to learn how to properly delegate. All that stuff comes with motherhood anyway, whether you're working or not. But especially when you go back to work, it's, it's, it's like you have to really learn. Like it took me a while. I didn't just like wake up as a mother and be like, I'm not making dinners anymore. I tried to do the dinner thing and it fucking drove me crazy. Mm -hmm. And I was pumping. I 
breastfed Hendrix till two. Why? Because I had the, you know, perfection in my head, maybe a little driven by Instagram of like breastfeeding till perfection. And so I killed myself for mm -hmm. it. And I've learned obviously over that time that like, there's no award for that. <laughs> there isn't? No. And I don't know if that's the best, you know, way to live your life. And I kind of recognized there was this middle ground. I, I kind of found, I guess, this middle ground in like where you can find, I guess I hate using the word balance because I don't think it's even achievable to have perfect balance, but mm -hmm. like just a trade-off. Um, anyway, so I guess my point is that first time of having a kid really taught me so much. And like now I have a, a way more Zen understanding of like how to approach motherhood and work and self and husband and friends and family. And you can't just feed one. Yeah. Like what you feed grows is like a very big theme for me. And then what you don't feed dies. I mean, I can totally relate to that. Of course. In every sense of the word. So. Right. Wow. So that's it. I, I, <laughs> that's it. Okay. That's so it. if you're listening, <laughs> don't wait for the car accident to tell you what to do, to point you in the right direction. Just like, I think it's important to, to, to hear that what you experienced was through the trauma, you, you heard what your body and your soul and yeah. wanted and it sometimes takes that. Yeah. It hopefully isn't going to be as aggressive for some of you who are listening. Um, I hope I would never <laughs> wish any of that on anyone. Um, and another lesson to learn is just, you know, you can't, you can't grow unless you hire. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's absolutely true. The best yeah. CEOs are awesome delegators. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, actually, you know, it's just like, I just want to say one thing on yeah. this cause it's not just about motherhood. I mean, motherhood is one bucket, right? Like being, having a family, being a parent was one bucket for me that I was recognizing was actually there and I was kind of denying it or deflecting it. Yeah. But that bucket might have the name of something completely different on it. It might be a spiritual bucket. It might be a I have this theory of buckets. Can I give it for a yeah, minute? Yeah, please. Okay. I'll take all the theories. So you have certain, a lot of things you like in life. Nobody's going to say, no, fuck spirituality. <laughs> no, but people have things that are really important to them. That, that's what I'm calling a bucket. So mm -hmm. for me, for me, my buckets are career, like family, my immediate family, you know, being a mom, um, being a really good wife, um, friends and family. And then, um, self. Mm -hmm. So those are my buckets. I've like, I think that's five. <clears throat> the way I view these is like, they start out full of water, but there's a hole drilled into the bottom of the bucket. So slowly water is just trickling out all the time. You have to refill those buckets with water. Mm -hmm. Um, when you start a company or when you start something big, you're usually feeding that bucket with a ton of things because it's the thing that's like, you know, needing you the most yeah. and all the other things you sort of forget about or you don't feed and they slowly deplete. They can handle it for some time, but then it gets worse and worse and worse and then it suffers and then it's empty. And then it's a dire straight situation where you have none of it. Mm. So people do this a lot with the self one. I think it's like the easiest one to not feed because you can feed everything else and put yourself in the back burner. Um, and you might find yourself in a situation where you're burnt out. You've got, you know, you're totally, you're just not who you are. You, you just, you're like broken out. You're swollen. You're drinking too much. You're not taking care of yourself. You're completely not who you know you're supposed to be. Mm. And it's just a simple thing. You just didn't carve out the time to feed the bucket. Yeah. And so I guess my whole theory on work-life balance, which may or may not include parenthood, <clears throat> is you just got to find time to feed those buckets enough that they don't die. Mm. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Every day you're not going to be a good CEO, a good wife, a good mom, good to yourself, and uh, a great family and friend person. You're just, this isn't possible. Yeah. But in a month, in a month you might be able to be good at all those things. And so if you start to manage your expectations there, that's to me what like self-care is all about. I love that. It's feeding the buckets. Uh, okay, so I love that. I love that analogy. And 
it just started making me think about my buckets and yeah and um but before we talk about more i think it's perfect time to play our first road road Ooh, trip game. game so i have lots of road trip games in my my roster okay. in my bucket and i think i would love to play the story game with you Ooh. and basically how this goes is you're going to start telling a story and whenever you feel inclined to stop i'm just going to pick up Okay. Where the, st the story ends. So it could be one word, a sentence, a whole paragraph. Is this a fiction or something that's actually happening? You know what? Whatever you want. You I, you might start as reality and Got then it. I might take it to fiction. Okay. We'll, we'll see where we end up. Okay. So I'm going to let you start. <sighs> Yesterday I woke up and I had a really bad sleep. And I said, what is going to make my sleep better? But... I wasn't really ready to take on that challenge because I had such little sleep. I really needed coffee first. Oh, but I've been on a strict coffee-free life since I saw someone post about it on Instagram. Fuck! So I really need something that I'm not allowing for myself. I'm also not eating bread, and I really want a bagel right now. Oh, and then I realized that my life is all about restriction, and it's really painful for me to have this realization. Like, why am I doing this to myself? Right. Like, why do I keep punishing myself when, you know, I think we should actually keep the sugar where it belongs. I mean, yes, we should, <laughs> and it's really, really important for me to have, like, at least five cups of sugar a day. <laughs> Which is why I have um, unmanageable anxiety as well. So it's a, it's a tough thing that I deal with. And it's really hard because in my head, I can't focus on blaming the sugar. That's why I cut out coffee and bread and exercise and just like <laughs> laughter. Like I'm on this very strict cleanse and I can't figure out what's going on. And to make matters worse... You're an asshole all the time. What? Uh, this is just, this is what happens every single day in my head when I wake up and realize that this is the life that I chose to create for myself. And if you could just have coffee. <laughs> the <laughs> end. end. <laughs> that was so good. I think that our next venture together is going to be a children's book. <laughs> all about why Dave Asprey allows his children to have coffee at the age of zero. <laughs> you know, it's so true, though, like what, how, that that restriction can get out of hand. Oh, my goodness. I am. OK, so I am a little bit of a, a restriction whore because there are things that I could get into my head and I'm like, OK, I want to lead this life. And I have this really massive issue with the words natural flavors and I think mm. I messaged you about this once and mm -hmm. whenever I see people post about like sparkling water with like nat watermelon natural flavors I'll, I'll email I'll message them and I'll be like oh, yeah. so what's a natural flavor and <laughs> I think you responded you know I have to do more research about that I don't actually know and yeah, I was like I don't think it's regulated at all well the word natural isn't regulated right so uh I don't think it is and if you actually call the company to find out what is in their natural flavors, they will say that it is proprietary <laughs> and it is a proprietary blend of roots, nuts, seeds, and um, flavorings all from nature, derived from nature. And I'm like, well, how do they derive it? Well, with the solvent. Well, what's the, like, I've gone down this rabbit hole. Okay. So um, I don't know. I just really feel called to, to share all of my knowledge about natural flavors right now. So I'm okay. just gonna do it. Do it. Um, so, there's this company that creates protein powder for you. Like you answer a, a quiz and okay. then it'll give it. It's like custom. Yeah, something. it will custom to you. And like they had natural flavors in their products. So I messaged them and I, they were like, why didn't you buy it? Um, they're a new company. I said, well, can you remove the natural flavors? And they're like, yes. But just so you know, uh, the natural flavors, we don't have the specific ingredients because the company made a sign an NDA. Um, we don't even know what goes in it, but what we do know is it's like 10% per, 10 maltodextrin, um, which is a starch that's derived from either like corn or beets, or if it's organic, something else, um, something good, quote unquote. And, uh, and then they'll be like, they have like modified food starch in there. And I was like, oh, that's the real piece 
that makes you crave something because modified food starch is like this secret weapon to like mm. get your body addicted to it. But this has nothing to do oh, with healthy. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you're, it doesn't. You're, but let's talk about yeah. your ingredients. Yeah. And it's funny because I was just literally working on, uh, before you picked me up, I was working on our boilerplate like bio for health aid. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to simplify our ingredients and like what we do. And I was saying like nothing, un- I was going to say something like uh, nothing unnatural. So this is a good conversation yeah. because I think what we define as natural and unnatural as consumers, um, probably some, con- some cus- uh, companies are out there doing the right thing and, and meeting that, you know, expectation, but others are not mm. and taking advantage of the word and, uh, you know, combining sort of like green and compostable yeah. looking type of stuff to make it look um, like what you think it should be. So mm-hmm. for us, um, health aid, you know, when we started this in the farmer's markets, as I mentioned, it was for sale. Kombucha was for sale everywhere. So we knew we had to differentiate. And so our whole thing from the beginning was we wanted to be the best tasting and highest quality period. So for us, that meant we couldn't just make it like the other guys. Yeah. Uh, we had to do it one step better. We had to be the premium kombucha. And so, and when we started to realize that that was working, we, we recognized that's what we got to stick to. So it, it definitely aligned with my background and being a nutritionist, but it really wasn't until we started selling in the farmer's markets that we were like, oh yeah, this is our thing. This is our mm. niche. So early on, we kind of picked our true north in terms of product at least as being like, we're not going to compromise on the things that would make it the best tasting and highest quality, period. So we make it with a SCOBY. We've, we make it with four ingredients, SCOBY, sugar, tea, water. So you basically make sweet tea, you add a SCOBY. The SCOBY is basically the culture. Um, it stands for symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. It's basically a, a home for the probiotics. And it's the VIP ingredient that's going to like sh- change the sweet tea and turn it into kombucha. It's not too different than a culture that's used to make kefir um, or sourdough mm-hmm. or many things that are fermented have this type of culture. So essentially what happens is those probiotics eat the sugar in the sweet tea and they transform it over time into acids. So the liquid itself transforms completely from sweet tea to a low sugar, high acid probiotic filled drink, which is what kombucha is. Mm. So we make that entirely in glass we're the only ones in the country that do it commercially in glass. We do that because we believe acids can leach from the surroundings they're put in. So we don't want to do that in plastic. Mm-mm. Even though most of the kombucha sold on the shelf today is in plastic. <sighs> but it's sold to you in glass. So, okay. And when you go to those companies and ask them to show you, they're not going to show you. They're going to say it's proprietary. So we're very open about how we do it. You'll see on our website, we've got pictures. I bring press into the to, to the tour to see the brewery to do tours because I'm trying to show this is how we do it. And I think without trying to scare people about the food world of today, the good news is there's I feel like in every category there's at least one person trying to do it right. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to tell you from the mountaintops. Mm-hmm. On their website, social, they're like inviting you in because it's a pain in the ass to make it in glass. We we do it in two and a half gallon glass jars. So we have about 250,000 of these things. It's fucking nutso. I know. I don't. I mean. It's nuts. I What I love, though, is like looking at your success. Like, do you think that that is why Health Aid, outside of, of course, like where its roots and how it's always like stayed true to that? Do you think that's why? Like, how I think that's so... a part of it. So the only other ingredient we add besides those four things is um, cold pressed juice or in the case of our superfood line. Um, which is the one that has like a color blocking, mm-hmm. um, we'll add, we're, we're adding superfoods. So those come in the form of crushed powders. Sometimes they come as dried fruit. Um, and sometimes it comes like in as an extract. Mm. So with the, so, so essentially we're only using high quality ingredients. We're not using any like, um, Jolly Rancher style type of flavoring, mm, which is really <laughs> watermelon. <laughs> um, but this is a really important thing. There's no concentrate in our cold press line. You know, it's literally cold pressed juice. So when you drink like, sorry to call them out here, but like Mott's apple juice versus like a cold pressed cider, it's a completely different drink. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the difference with like how we're flavoring our kombucha versus how somebody else's we're adding cold pressed from pink lady apples juice. 
that's why it tastes like that's one of the reasons it tastes so good and i believe that contributes to the function so those are the ingredients that's it everything's all made naturally um but your question about uh, yeah like i think it's a combination of things for us we recognized that we needed to be the best tasting and highest quality and i think if that's going to be your whatever it is that you're staking into the ground is like your thing you have to stand for it so you, for us, that was our thing. And so we had to build trust with the consumer um, and authenticity with the consumer. So yeah, that meant that if I just compromised on that, suddenly I've just lost that ability to be like a, you know, premium product. Mm-hmm. So I think it all matters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just that though. You, it's not enough to just make a good product. I would say that the success also involves how you run and build the business, not just how you make the product. Right. And to piggyback, like, what do you think about saturation in the kombucha market right now? Do you think crazy? Like there, I see a new brand coming out every day and I'm just like, what? Like, do you think that there's validity in that? Do you think that it's smart for people to start a, a kombucha brand when like literally health aid is the only one that matters to me? <laughs> Thank you. I'll pay you later. <laughs> okay, great. Um, you know, I guess it depends on why they're starting the company. Mm. My answer would depend on why they're starting the company. So if they're interested because they're super passionate about kombucha and like think that they make a really awesome kombucha and see like this is how they want to live their life, then fuck yeah, keep doing it. If you're looking to be in every fridge in America, um, like we were when we started this, because remember the motivation here wasn't kombucha, so to speak. It was, we wanted to start a business, a company. We wanted to be like, I wanted to prove I could do it. Mm -hmm. That was the driver. It's different. I was a different driver. And, um, I think for that, I just, I just have to share that it's, it's, it's hard. It's, I mean, everything is hard. Business is hard. Um, I don't want to judge anybody coming into it. I I guess what I'm trying to say is the wave is on. Mm -hmm. So if you're joining now, you're a little bit behind, but again, if you're not if you're not interested in making this all the way to every fridge in America tomorrow and you just want to make like a really nice business for yourself in your region, fine. But if you're trying to go all the way, you're a bit behind and you've got some ground to make up Mm -hmm. Um, because it takes time. I mean, I, I don't think you can do it faster than we did. And it's been seven years of like, you know, just, I can't even put a word to it. Yeah. gut-wrenching kind of change uh pushing and so i think um i would never discourage somebody i think it's just important to know your why part of the right yeah your why and then also part of it is right timing Mm -hmm. for beverage Mm -hmm. i love i just love that statement that there needs to be a why behind it i have like a lot of people who come to me and they're just like you're your business it's or for even for this show right so many people are like when are you going to start a podcast when are you going to start a show and i was like well i don't know you know like it's yeah. it didn't really feel like it felt oversaturated but mm. i found that when i stepped into this i was like oh i love doing this, this is awesome and it didn't matter to me mm. you know the track like i didn't get into this for the sponsorship i didn't i got into this to have conversations mm-hmm. with people like you and illuminate that we're all human And I think that if there's a human drive underneath it, if there's your why, like when I stepped into self-love coaching, I was just like, I have to do this. There's no, there's no other answer except this. And the universe paid back in, in full. It, it, it was such a a massive support for me. So, yeah, I feel like, by the way, that's been the case for me too. Yeah. Every time I make a really, really tough decision in health aid, like one that's requires me to transform out of my comfort comfort zone mm-hmm. whenever I do that um something comes mm. it's pretty cool are you able to share one of those like really tough like challenges that you experienced that you like in retrospect you're like oh why am I it doesn't even have to be business related yes but. no I can even from every stage there's 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 examples um one I'm, that's just coming to mind. By the way, you're doing a great job driving, like in the city. We're not even like in a neighborhood here. You're like Thanks. in the city on Venice Boulevard um, <laughs> and talking and thinking. Um, 
So in the very beginning, um, we didn't know we were doing highly underqualified. We had all the grit and drive, but no qualifications, no experience. Uh, but it was enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew we needed to move out of our shared kitchen and get a space. And LA is not easy to find real estate. It's not like it sits around forever and you can like check things out. Um, plus we were in the middle of selling kombucha at the farmer's market. We didn't have time. We needed space like today. So I remember we went, we found this like 500 square foot place. There was a restaurant um, kitchen or a kitchen that made food for restaurants next door. So we knew it could be food permitted. And um, it was, the price was right. And we had to sign right there and it was 3000 bucks a month. And we're like, great. Okay, let's do it. We put the deposit down. We had enough money to do that at that time. And we did it. And then I'm like, all right, so we need to like turn this into a kitchen, right? Like how hard can that be? And we, <laughs> um, Famous words. yeah, but that move out of our shared kitchen to a space was a very big jump for us. It mm. was extremely uncomfortable. It would require all of the cash we had at our savings accounts, plus the cash that health aid was making. I mean, it was like, that was, I kind of glossed over how hard that move was. It was an extremely difficult step out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm where we were like, oh wait, now we're gonna completely vertically integrate this into our business and like, we own everything. Um, because before we were sharing a kitchen. Yeah. So that was hard. That took us months to kind of get the confidence to do. And even when we did it, we weren't fully confident. So that was the sort of like tough thing that we had to, you know, like we were talking about have, doing a tough thing and then getting a gift. Mm-hmm. So we did the tough thing. I bring in a, um, you know, how hard can it be? We bring in a um, like general contractor or something who like builds kitchens and like stuff like that. And we're like, so what's it going to take to like put, you know, a burner over here where we can make tea and like a fermentation room over here where we can ferment. And like we got three quotes and it was like a million dollars. And we were like, like not even close to something we could afford. Wow. And it was really scary because we didn't have like anywhere to go. We had now just taken on this liability of a space. I mean, it was like a very dark moment for the three of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's LA, so you can't, it's not like it's your, it's not like your brother that lent you the space. Right. You signed a freaking lease and you have to pay rent in 30 days, you know? And I remember our landlord, we called and we're like, we're not going to be able to pay rent. And he's like, uh, I'm sorry. That's not how it works. You're, you know, you'll be evicted and like never be able to rent a space in business again. And we're like, right. Yeah. Uh, it's a big problem. But we worked our butts off and you know, again, because I feel like we made this tough move just out of the sky. I mean, out of the sky, that place next door that I said was a kitchen or a food, uh, food making facility for a restaurant. It turns out that they decided they didn't need that space anymore. It was an ancillary space and it was all set up already permitted with, with a, with a stove top and a fridge and warehouse space. It was only missing a tiny fermentation room for us. They were like, you know, we, we don't, we don't really want this anymore. Would you sublease it from us for $3,000 a month? And we're like, what? So we call our landlord and we're like, please, can you let us take on this lease next door in exchange for the lease we signed? Like it's the same size space. Yeah. And he was like, sure. So overnight we had a space already outfitted for a kitchen, ready to brew. Like, I mean, it was literally a gift from God. We were definitely like, (laughs) dodge that one. I'm so into this. I love that But I believe it's because we like pushed. It's always that, you know, you always push. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, when you push forward, you transform and you put yourself out there. It might be hard for a bit, but then like something always comes. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you need. Yeah. That's like, I've been talking a lot about lessons and like lessons that we need to learn that continue to like slap us in the face until we learn them. And I think that like trusting that like when you're aligned in your purpose, that the universe has your back, God has your back source, whatever you refer to it as like the bigger, the bigger picture has your back. And I love that. that That's totally the case too. Mm. And don't you find even after you've learned a lesson, it still comes to check on you. Like, I feel like with the self care thing, especially I, um, 
I've had to learn it a lot and relearn it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I, I always get off track, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's not like you learn it once and then it's over. Oh, you know that working out in the morning makes you feel good? Why do you fucking stop doing it three months later? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you do. Or you know that not drinking too much alcohol, like, makes you feel better. And you get on this really good kind of road of, mm-hmm. like, doing that because it makes you feel good. And then something happens or you fall off and you find yourself back in the same place. And you're like, God damn it. I already learned this. Oh, my goodness. But it, I think that's all very normal and it's good to talk about because, like, I mean, I think there are super obsessive people that are just like excellent at it all the time. And boy, aren't they the ones we watch on Instagram. Um, But the truth is, I think for most people, we fall off the bandwagon. Yeah. And they're curating that for sure. I think it pulls back to that bucket analogy, you know, like Mm -hmm. and remembering what you're putting in the bucket. Yeah. Remembering that it's important to know that what you need and also that we're ever evolving and changing. Like. Prior to this, I was a spin instructor for four years. Like, right. And I remember, like, and I think when we look in the past, we consider ourselves like these superheroes. I was like, oh, I was so mm-hmm. fit. I was so this. I was so that. I could mm-hmm. do all these things. I taught 11 classes a week. No no problem. And then mm-hmm. I go and step into a, a spin studio as an, a student, and I'm just, like, out of breath, dying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, what is going on? And I'm beating myself up. But... I'm at a different place now, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I have to find something new that works for mm-hmm. me. And, and if, and learning the lesson that movement matters, but it doesn't always have to be. So now I love doing cardio hip hop. Right. Which is so good. There you go. So, uh, I totally agree. I mean, I love that. Yeah. It's so good. We're, we're on the same page. Yeah. I mean, I basically feel as though I could just step into health aid as the fourth founder and we would work <laughs> so well together. Being compassionate with yourself and the context of your life is like such an important thing, no matter where you are. Amen to that. So, you know, I have another road trip game that I want to play and then just a couple more questions for you. Okay. So I always, 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 because self-love is uncensored, self-love is real. I love to play Fuck, Marry, Kill with all of my guests because it's just a fun game, I think. So basically... I've been like racking my brain for like how, what I, cause I always like to make it really challenging. And okay. here, here's what it's going to be. Oh, I do it with inanimate objects too, because ain't no time. We don't have time for a PR nightmare with, okay. you know, people you're like, oh, okay. this is going to be great. So fuck, Mar- kill. fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> um, the SCOBY. Okay. Uh, Ooh. Um, green tea. Okay. Or fruit juice. <laughs> I would marry, uh, oh man. Okay. What would I kill? I would kill, I guess I would kill of the three fruit juice because it's not required, Mm. even though I love it. I gave you an out there. Um, green tea. I would marry because it's just sort of always there. And I think I would fuck this going. Yeah. (laughs) You are nasty girl. Woo. Yeah. Oh, that's so, I love that so much. That is an amazing, (laughs) amazing answer. So I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, I want to know what does self-love mean to you? I, it's, it's good. We talked about the buckets because this will be a short one. It's, it's real, you know, taking the time to assess what your buckets are and making sure you're filling them Mm. all. And that needs to be a dynamic question. Your buckets might change year over year. Um, But self-love to me is not just about filling the bucket for yourself. Because what makes you feel fulfilled is also those other things. So you got to define what those things are and prioritize those. It can't be everything. Um, And making making sure you're filling them. And I I guess the only added caveat I'll say to that is just the compassion to recognize we're human and imperfect. And that it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to have perfectly full buckets across the top. One's going to be more full than the other. And that's okay. If this one's running out of water, you know what you got to do. Yeah. You know, you know what you got to do. Oh, I and love that. Stop being so mad at ourselves for like not, um, not like hitting the mark we yeah, set. And nursing your baby for the first two years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, I'm proud that I did it. It was mm-hmm. a good thing, but it was, there was a point where it shifted from me doing it for the son, for him. Versus me trying to hit some kind of goal that I had set for myself. 
Okay. And that point of, like, I don't think I was quite aware when I crossed the line. So this time I'm going to be a lot more compassionate with myself and my context of my life. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that definition with me. Um, so where can everyone find you if they're like, ooh, we want to get in on some Dinah real life moments? <laughs> I guess I post a lot on Instagram. That's probably a good place to see uh, an assortment of my buckets mm -hmm. and how I uh, both, you know, both succeed and fail at filling them because it is a work in progress. Um, and that's on Instagram at Dinah Trout. Amazing. But you can also drink my creation. At Health Aid. <laughs> at Health Aid. It. We're sold in 25,000 stores now. Oh my goodness. That's across so, the country. So cool. Uh, Pretty cool. Oh, wait, I have one more. I have another question. What, um, what, what's next for... How did you know to get us back to my house? I'm, it's unclear. Are you like <laughs> fucking some kind of Yoda? You took us all the way to Venice and then, so it's right here. Oh, perfect. But this is my street. Anyway. Right here? Yeah, and you came like another way than you originally came, oh, which is pretty amazing. I'm amazing. Yeah, you really did. You just honed interesting back. sense of direction. Like, I can always tell. But, wow, that's um, a gift. Thank you so much. Um, if you... <laughs> If you are listening on iTunes or anywhere you're listening to podcasts, head on over to YouTube to see Dinah's reaction, you know, <laughs> and watch it there. Do I go straight? straight? Okay. Um, but yeah, so what's next for Dinah Trout outside of like the, the baby, but like <laughs> if you have anything to share with like what's next for Health Aid or, you know? Well, Health Aid is going to continue to grow. We're launching a bunch of new flavors. We've just put out, if you see a cherry berry out there, um, grab it. It's delicious. Mm, really enjoy um, it. It's got cherry, a cherry hibiscus, and uh, I think cherry and hibiscus. So that's really yummy. Um, I think it has a berry in it, too, a aronia berry or something like that. I think it is aronia berry. Right here. Um, so that's cherry berry, and then we've got five other flavors coming out. So this year wow. you can expect a lot of fun new summer flavors. Um, but you know we're always continuing to try to build the dream and get it to every fridge in America. We're still mm. far from that. Um, I'm gonna help you with. So we are, you know, just always trying to like build, build the brand, build the amount of stores we're in, build the team, build a better company. That's all up ahead. Um, for me personally, having a baby is going to be a big shift. We're excited about that. Um, that will be a challenge and a blessing. Yeah. And beyond that, it's just to continue to sort of learn, learn and grow. I love it. Well, Thank you so much for joining me on the road to self-love. This was so much fun. I just like, it was such a, I just can't even fathom like 15 years ago, me being like, Hey, I did know. you know that in 15 years, we're going to be you know, like leaders in our space and we're going to be talking about stuff driving in, the car, in the car, driving around. And um, so it just means so much for you yeah. to be here. If you are listening on iTunes or wherever you are enjoying this podcast, please make sure to rate and review, share this, take a screenshot that you're listening, tag me mm -hmm. at Paul Fishman, make sure to tag Dinah at Dinah Trout and tag Health Aid. Maybe they'll reshare as well. Yes. You know, I have the CEO in the car. Maybe she can talk to her today. <laughs> but, uh, and if, sure. you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, because we are here for you and it's just so exciting to share your experiences. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Paul. And we will see you next time on the road to self-love. 100%. Bye. <laughs>